Welcome to Dollars and Cents for College Students, a multi-part podcast series that gives college students the knowledge and tools to handle their financial situation during and after college. Your host for this program is Professor Frank Longo of Centenary University School of Professional Studies. Please note that before making any financial decisions, please seek sound financial advice from a financial professional. And now, here is your host, Professor Frank Longo. Hello, and welcome to Dollars and Cents for College Students. Thank you for joining us. Inflation is in the personal finance news. Again, you could say it never left the news. We talk about inflation a great deal because it is significant and can change lives. First, the short general definition of inflation. Rising prices. Sometimes rising prices are good as they can indicate demand for products and that can lead to employers hiring workers to fill the demand for their products and services. Inflation is troublesome when it is persistently high and when the rate exceeds the rate of wage increases. Right now, it is both high and in excess of average wage increases. Normal inflation, the rate that is considered acceptable by the Federal Reserve, is 2%. With inflation at 8.3%, the Fed is clearly worried, and we know that by its actions. The question is, what does this mean to savers and investors? Remember, every person has a personal inflation rate based on personal spending habits. Someone who doesn't commute by car has a different rate than someone who does. On the other hand, all savers have an issue. Anyone who has money in a savings account that pays 1% interest or, or even a little bit more is losing substantial purchasing power. Your 1% gain is offset by rising prices of more than 8%. Your real rate of return is more than minus 7%. In other words, you are losing 7% of purchasing power on your hard-earned savings. This discourages saving, and that can be bad for the individual as well as the country. We will consider in a moment or two what savers should do. First, let's remember that the Federal Reserve, the nation's central bank, is responsible for conducting the nation's monetary policy. As its website says, it does it by, and I'll quote, influencing money and credit conditions in pursuit of full employment and stable prices, end quote. That involves managing inflation. One of the Fed's tools for doing this is by influencing interest rates. The Fed attacks inflation by promoting higher interest rates, which discourages spending. Higher rates make spending more expensive, which can promote lower prices. So what is the Fed doing? It raised the rates it charges member banks for overnight borrowing, and that is called the federal funds rate. This increases bank costs and causes them to raise rates. The Fed recently raised rates three times, and that is unprecedented. The federal funds rate is now at its highest point since 2008. Fed Chair Jerome Powell has some interesting and important comments about the Fed's actions. He said, and I'm quoting, my colleagues and I are strongly committed to bringing down inflation to about 2%. We can't fail to do that. I mean, 
if we were to fail to do that, that would be the thing that would be most painful for the people that we serve. So for now, that has to be our overarching focus. Powell went on to say that a soft landing where the economy avoids a recession as interest rates increase will be very challenging and will depend on how quickly price pressures come down. Again, quoting, if we want to set ourselves up, really light the way for another period of very strong labor markets, we have got to get inflation behind us. Powell told reporters, I wish there was a painless way to do that. There isn't. What we need to do is get rates up to the point where we're putting meaningful downward pressure on inflation. And that's what we're doing. End quote. What does all this mean? The Fed hopes that the rise in interest rates can cause what is known as a soft landing, meaning that interest rates can be increased without causing a recession. In recession, the economy slows so much that employers reduce their workforce. They fire people. That clearly is a big concern. This means that workers should give employers their best efforts and demonstrate their value so as to avoid being laid off. For those with credit card debt, expect your interest rates to go up for some time. The action to take is to reduce your debt, pay credit card bills on time, and avoid the higher finance charges. Remember, interest on credit card debt can hit 20 and 25%. Now is the time to get out of credit card debt. I would argue we had we were in that time in the past, but certainly now is the time. For savers, the Fed's actions should increase banks' rate that they pay on deposits. The trouble is that banks who are quick to raise interest rates charged to borrowers are also slow to raise rates they pay depositors. And don't expect banks to match the federal funds rates. They just don't do that. So what should savers do? Consider an account with the U.S. government. We recently discussed TreasuryDirect.gov. This website can be used to loan money to the U.S. government in amounts as little as $100. You can invest in treasury bills and bonds, which pay, pay higher returns than banks. These are loans to the U.S. government, and they are backed by the full faith and credit of the United States, which has never failed to pay interest or principal on its debt. Interest from these loans is not subject to tax by any state, and that increases your effective yield. The bottom line consideration for savers, as we always say, have an emergency fund. Pay off debt and invest in treasury bills and notes, which you can do directly with the government and pay no commissions. What about stock investors? What can you expect as a result of the Fed's actions? The stock market, generally speaking, does not react well to rising interest rates, and it didn't after the Fed's announcement. It declined substantially. Why? Higher interest rates are designed to slow the economy, and that can reduce corporate profits. Also, higher rates increase borrowing costs for businesses, and that too can reduce profits. Since the financial crisis of 2008, interest rates on savings accounts have been nearly zero. This caused some savers to invest in stock rather than keeping their money in bank accounts. Higher rates could discourage some from stock investing. Most investment advisors, however, suggest staying invested 
especially in 401ks. They cite the market's history of over time rising. Continuing your investment in 401ks allows you to take advantage of employer contributions and matching, and it allows you to buy at lower prices. This takes advantage of the dollar cost averaging. Some investors ask about investing in high-yielding stocks. We recently discussed this. The best stocks for investors seeking a high dividend yield are the dividend aristocrats, and that is those who have increased their dividends every year for 25 years. We discussed Johnson & Johnson as likely the dividend payer with the most potential for both an increasing dividend and stock price. Its track record is outstanding. A word of caution for those seeking a high dividend yield, and especially high yield, such as those greater than 8%, should be considered with a great deal of caution. An example is Glatfelder Corporation. This company had a dividend yield of nearly 12%, and that could be attractive to some investors. But a 12% yield is clearly a red flag that says, examine this stock closely before investing. This company is the maker of engineered materials, and it recently experienced a price decline of nearly 5%. Why? It announced that it suspended its quarterly dividend so it could use its cash to enhance its financial flexibility and better position itself to navigate the ongoing economic challenges. The dividend yield of 12% was a sign of financial distress. What should an investor consider to avoid investing in an inappropriate or risky high yielder? Look at the prospects. What does it expect to earn in the current year? It really is a simple matter of looking at its projected future earnings. Glatfelder has zero projected earnings. It doesn't expect to be profitable. It also has no current earnings. Two extremely bad indicators. We always look at uh, the price-earnings ratio and the projected price-earnings ratio as part of our standard analysis. This company has neither because it hasn't earned profits and it doesn't expect to do so in the next 12 months. We would have eliminated this company from our consideration strictly on that basis. This company is far from qualifying as a dividend aristocrat. We suggest being very cautious of companies with extremely high dividend yields. As we say, those with yields of greater than 8% need careful analysis. And when you see they're approaching 20%, that is a red flag in itself. You might want to stay away from them. Their yields are high since the market has recognized their risk. And in this case of Gladfelder, the company, before paying its most recent dividend, it, declined, it decided to suspend it. So investors hoping for that dividend were not only disappointed with the dividend being suspended, their stock price went down. This, in our opinion, is not the time to invest in risky companies. Until the next time, stay calm, thoughtful, and purposeful. You have been listening to Dollars and Cents for College Students with host Frank Longo. The opinions on this series are those of the host. Before making any financial decisions, be sure to consult with a financial professional such as a certified financial planner. For more information, visit cfp.net.